What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Another Friday, another episode of Why Are We Bullish? And we got a killer panel today. Um, I'm very excited to have all the guests. One is returning for the first time in a year uh, and very excited to have him back. Uh, another, I uh, got to hang out a bunch uh, with a bunch at the Surf and Bitcoin conference in Biarritz in August. Uh, great guy. Super happy to have him on the show. And I've actually covered uh, something that he works on. So we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. And another person that um, I've seen making the rounds on some of the podcasts. I've seen some great stuff coming out of her and uh, incredible speaker and, and great thinker. So very happy to have her on as well. We will do some introductions in a moment. Of course, this is live. Anything can happen. So of course, I defer to my friend Bill here. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. If you have not already, please do like, subscribe, share. All those things help us a ton getting this content in front of more eyeballs. I am Ben with the BTC Sessions. This is your daily session. Total the Bitcoin. Before we bring in our guests, let's take a quick look at where we are in the market and in the Bitcoin space at the moment at timechaincalendar.com, new edition of the show. Uh, I'm going to give hats off to TC for making this. It's an incredible tool. Uh, so at a glance, uh, a single Bitcoin will cost you 17,137 cuck bucks. A single cuck buck will pick you up 5,835 sats. 91.57% uh, of all Bitcoin have been mined. That's 19.23 million of them. And in terms of fees, next block looking like 12 sats per byte. Uh, anything beyond that, you can kind of get mid to high single digit sats per byte. So you should be all right there, but use that RBF if you need to. Still not bad. Uh, shout out to sponsor the show, CoinKite.com. If you are taking a look for hardware to secure your Bitcoin, I mean, can you really beat the cold card Mark IV? I think not. I think it's absolutely epic. I love the thing. I do workshops on it uh, all over the place. And, uh, and I've got like a two-hour deep dive um, tutorial on how to use it, but CoinKite just has the best damn stuff. They have the block clock, the open dimes, the tap signers, the uh, the SAS cards, just about everything. Uh, and I've done literally tutorials on all of it. So check it out, head over to coinkite.com, use code BTC sessions for 5% off everything there. Also shout out to new sponsors of the show, Start9, uh, your sovereign computing solution. You can host everything, your Bitcoin stack, Obviously, you can run your node, you can run your lightning node, you can connect externally, uh, you can do all kinds of great stuff, but you can also host your data, you can host files, passwords, all your important stuff. And they do have some pretty robust solutions. You can, of course, build it yourself. But if you need something plug and play, they have solutions for you both on the, uh, we'll say a little bit on the cheaper end, or you can go really robust and get their pro and that is like a high-end device for hosting your life. Uh, I just dropped a tutorial on how to use Start9 to build your Bitcoin stack. So be sure to check that out and uh, check out Start9.com. If you're stacking sats and your concerns include uh, self-custody, peer-to-peer, uh, privacy, non-KYC, all those things, 
HODL. HODL is a solution for you. You can head there. You can sign up with nothing more than an email address, and you can begin stacking KYC-free SATs peer-to-peer. I have a full tutorial on how to use it. It's excellent. They do also have their lending uh, program where you can uh, use your Bitcoin to secure loans or offer loans to people. And you can do it in a way in which your your assets are not rehypothecated. So check out hodlhodl.com. Awesome stuff over there. Bill Flottle, of course, back up your Bitcoin seed phrases in solid steel. You don't want to be dealing with fire damage, water damage, all that crap. They also have Faraday bags if you're a tinfoil hat kind of person like me. And uh, yeah, great way to be storing your backups. Don't Paper sucks. <laughs> I'll just say it. But this is how I back up my important wallets. And finally, if you're in Canada, shake pay. Easy way to stack sats. Uh, e-transfers in and out. No deposit or withdrawal fees, including withdrawing Bitcoin. You can shake your phone every single day for free sats. Uh, sats back Visa card, all kinds of great stuff out of them. And if you sign up with the link down below, after your first hundred bucks, they'll give you 10 bucks for free. So shout out shakepay.com. And I'm going to shut up now because I need to get my guests in here. Uh, we'll bring them all up. Uh, we got Nick, we got Natalie, we got TC, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I appreciate you all. I think we should do a quick round of intros. Um, so a quick, who are you and what do you do? So I'll, I'll toss it to Nick first. Uh, can you give yourself a little intro, man? Hey, uh, I'm Nick Gregory. I work for a company called Commerce Block and we build a Bitcoin infrastructure, more well known for a, a privacy wallet called a Mercury Wallet. Awesome. Uh, and Mercury Wallet is is awesome. I, I did a, uh, a tutorial on it a while back and you were kind enough to uh, you guys are bringing it up. You went on McCormick's show and, and it was in the background. You guys were, were sorting through the tutorial, which is awesome. So I appreciate that little shout out that you did when you were there. So thanks, man. Um, we'll toss it to TC as well. TC, can you give yourself a little intro, man? Hey, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I am TC and I am a web developer. Uh, I've been in web development for a very long time, but just working for uh, companies in the Bitcoin space the last year and a half or so. Uh, and very recently, I just launched, in fact, it's right about a month ago, I launched the timechaincalendar.com, which is my new creation was bouncing around in my head for the last year or so. And I finally uh, jumped in and made it happen. And I'm so happy to be able to share that resource with you and your show and, and all the other plebs out there. Glad to be here. Dude, uh, it's it's an excellent way to start the show. I think perhaps the best way to start the show. So thanks for building it. And uh, again, awesome little tool to be able to, at a glance, get all the info you need. Um, and we'll toss it to Natalie. Natalie, first time on the show. Thank you for being here. Can you give yourself a little intro? Yes. Hi, everyone. Um, so I'm a Dallas-based entrepreneur. I co-founded a company that built the first uh, digital identity wallet using Bitcoin as a secure anchor of trust for digital claims. Um, this was back in 2015, 2016, before anybody was you know, really thinking about uh, identity and, and Bitcoin. Um, sold that company in 2020. Um, so I continue to lead business development within the acquiring firm. Um, and I also um, founded the Texas Bitcoin Foundation, which I currently lead. We are a 501c3 public charity dedicated to research and education about Bitcoin. That's awesome. Well, I'm, I'm very excited to have you 
here uh, and, and we all get to chat about whatever's top of mind for us. We all get to uh, talk about what we're excited about. I'm curious to hear everybody's topics when we get to them. Um, but first, of course, anybody watching that is unfamiliar. This is Why Are We Bullish? Very simple premise to the show. All of us come with a reason why we're bullish, something that we're excited about, something top of mind. It can really be anything, any topic, anything that kind of tickles our fancy. And so we're going to go by the three R's here. Really simple. Somebody's going to drop a reason why they're bullish. You get to rant, you get to chat about it, whatever you want to say. Then all together, we're going to riff on that reason. Everybody gets to ask questions, comments, whatever they want to do. And then finally, third, we're going to rotate to the next person until we all get a turn. So reason, riff, rotate. Um, so we're going to, without further ado, just dive in. Um, and I've got a topic that I'm going to, I'm going to drop. Uh, and it, it kind of has to do with some news of the day. But then taking that news and kind of zooming out as to some of the uh, greater implications as we shift to, hopefully, in the future, a Bitcoin standard. Um, so I'm, I'm going to first bring up, uh, this, this little tidbit of news that dropped earlier today, um, crypto news outlet, the block was secretly funded by Alameda research. So the, the long and the short of it is that Alameda, AKA SBF, um, a ton of money was funneled, uh, into the block in, in various forms. Um, and some of it was used to buy, you know, uh, uh, to buy some real estate in in uh, in the Bahamas, amongst other things, but it just the very fact that that was all kind of hidden from most of the staff and was was done by the the uh, the founder CEO um, uh, kind of calls into question any reporting that may have taken place um, prior to this or or lack of reporting, perhaps. Um, but I mean, that's not the only place that SBF had been throwing money around right um you know you get kevin o'leary that's gone to bat non-stop for sbf this entire time um and he, he was paid 15 million dollars to promote ftx um he said he lost money but he was also paid 15 million dollars um and so on top of this SBF was, you know, major donor to a lot of political, uh, both political parties, both sides of the political spectrum. But he also was very much front and center in in potentially could have basically formed the the regulatory environment of the entire space, right? And and while also tossing money at people, um, which is which is terrifying. And and so this results in even in his downfall, puff pieces, you know, Wall Street Journal, FTX failed because Sam Bankman Freed's supporters lost confidence in him. Um, you know, this <laughs> Bruce Fenton commented really quick before the show. I thought this one was sat satire. It's not the lost gospel of SBF, new revelations illuminating the world changing ambitions, aborted blueprints, utopian projects, and democracy transforming money bombs emanating from SBF Inc. before the crypto billionaire's house of cards came crashing down. Um, so what I'm getting at here is, is why was he able to do this? Well, he was he printed his own money. Effectively, you were he was able to create money out of thin air and then he was able to use that money he created out of thin air to, you know, pay people to say nice things about him or to not say bad things about him in many ways, shapes and forms. And the zooming out, this is kind of just a, a microcosm of 
of the world as it is today. Those that are the money spigot or are closest to the money spigot enjoy a lot of the same uh, privileges that SBF did through throughout uh, his kind of rise. Um, and so like a perfect example of this in Canada, the CBC is like, <laughs> is the news source for everybody. Um, and this is from their own, from their own website, their sources of revenue. Now, uh, the, the CBC made revenue of uh, around $1.7 billion in the 2018-19. Um, and almost $1.1 billion of that was directly from the government. Um, and so you have to then question, well, if this is the majority of where all Canadians' news come from is a state-funded uh, uh, news arm, then what sway you know, what kind of influences are, are had on, on the reporting there. And yes, they, they will on occasion scrutinize the government. There is some fair reporting there from time to time, but there's also a lot of leeway that's given. Um, in particular, I've seen a ton of it this year. Um, and also I'd like to take a moment to point out the, the, <laughs> the chart crime that was committed here, because let's look at this scale it goes up by 100 million at a time and then it gets to 700 million and we'll just we'll just hop a billion up so it makes it look uh, a lot like the majority of the funding did not come from the government this in pink here but uh it was actually you know more much more than 50% of their revenue was just directly from the government um so anyways fun uh my greater point here is Eventually, I mean, eventually in a world where um, nobody is able to just print money out of nothing, I would like to and I would hope to think that that it at least alleviates some of this. It's not quite as easy to print money out of nothing and then influence news cycles. There's obviously going to still be, um, you know, people that are are. Paid off to to perhaps spin stories that that are not truthful. There's always going to be aspects of that, but the the grandiose scale on which it happens today, I think, will be impeded at least a little bit. It, it Bitcoin has um, uh, a way about it where a lot of bullshit has shorter shelf life. I would like to think, um, in particular, around financial stuff right we see a lot of implosions this year because you know what you can't easily rehypothecate re uh and stay afloat with a fixed supply asset um but i i think that goes beyond just the financial i think it has implications um with down the road with the way that um information is created and disseminated um and it, again, while it isn't perfect, I think some of this shit where you get a, a CEO that's able to print their money, print money and then basically have a ton of news outlets in the palm of his hand uh, throughout even his downfall after blatant fraud. I think that stuff at least <laughs> is minimized. So that's that's kind of I, I'm bullish because I hope that we will see less bullshit as we move more towards a Bitcoin standard. And maybe this is a little hopeful of me, but it was just top of mind for me today. So 
Um, I'm going to open it up for commentary, either just at this, the story at hand or kind of the greater kind of zoom out picture that I was alluding to. Um, I might toss it to, I'm, I'm curious to hear TC. I'm curious to hear your initial thoughts on this because um, yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering. So TC, what are your thoughts on, on what is, what has happened here with the whole SBF, the block, all that kind of stuff. And do you think it has bigger implications as we move potentially to a Bitcoin standard? Yeah, the <laughs> the hits keep coming, huh? This is like a, a, a sort of um, an onion where we just keep peeling back the layers and there's just more and more corruption. It is absolutely, I think, the poster child of uh, sort of this larger phenomenon of the fiat world that Bitcoiners have really figured out and put their finger on that incentives are driving everything. So in a world where governments can print their own money at will and where now with this crypto phenomenon, these companies can print their own money at will, we have uh, absolute distortion and uh, manipulation of the whole incentive structure. So yeah, it's, it's shocking. It's not, it's not really surprising. We kind of know it's all th that's what's happening, but to see it kind of laid bare really does um, I think validate uh, a lot of the, the Bitcoiners perspective that is continuing to just be told. Uh, I, I think that Bitcoin as a actual um, fixed supply monetary system will absolutely put an end to a majority of this activity. You can't afford to pay off people and bribe people if you actually have to do work to acquire that money. So I'm with you. I think that it's, uh, it's, it's disappointing, but not surprising to see how deep the corruption, corruption runs. But uh, I, I'm confident that in a world where um, we're just careening towards this legacy system unraveling and Bitcoin just continues to deliver the truth, um, things will, will in some way be balanced out. So I'm with you on that one. All right. I, now I want to, I want to go to Nick. I, I want to ask, is this too pie in the sky of me? Am I getting ahead of myself? I'm being too uh, optimistic here. What do you, what do you think? Maybe, but I, the first time I heard of Kevin O'Leary, he was bad mouthing Bitcoin and going on about ESG nonsense <laughs> and about how we needed more regulation. And it's the irony is I think we need regulation from people like him. You know, <laughs> he was, uh, you know, he was talking pretty bad about the whole community and, you know, it's interesting to see he got paid, you know, what he says, a small amount, 15 million. And he wasn't very open about that up until a few days ago. And, yeah, we don't need more regulation. This is, um, this is just pure theft. And, and, and he was complicit in this. And Yeah. I, I mean, the, the space kind of, again, with a fixed supply asset, the, the space very quickly regulates itself. It's just that people have not yet adjusted their behavior to reflect the asset that they now need to deal with. They assume they can do fiat things with a non-fiat uh, mm -hmm. money. No, I agree. No. Natalie, what, what do you think here? What, what are your thoughts in and around, again, the smaller story and, and, and kind of the greater implications? Yeah, no, I, I think what's so remarkable about this cascading um, market collapse is that all of these altcoin projects were um, 
affinity scams that were whose success was predicated on the actual value provided by Bitcoin. Um, and so all of them trafficked in the value proposition of Bitcoin, um, but while completely undermining it um, from from an architecture standpoint. Um, and, you know, we were, I would say, socially in a kind of perfect storm because, um, you know, rates were already at rock bottom um, there. There really is no meaningful savings technology anymore, um, whether for the ordinary person or for you know HNIs or institutional investors, and so everybody's looking for asset classes that will, at the very least, preserve their wealth against devaluing currency, but hopefully also grow it. Um, and so we didn't see just you know altcoin bubbles; we saw bubbles everywhere. Um, particularly in technology stocks. And um, a lot of those have also, you know, dramatically lost value. And so all of this is pointing to how hard it is to create real value, um, whether it is monetary value, actually creating a monetary system that preserves the integrity of value over time, or in the productive economy. Um, I mean, we're seeing a lot of companies who were hyped up to just the heights of of the universe now being revealed to be like eh, mediocre at best um, and potentially also engaged in some level of fraud or misrepresentation of what they're actually doing. Um, and so all of this, from my point of view, is a much needed correction, but it's a very painful correction that's going to implicate a lot of um, people who are just trying to preserve money <laughs> over time or wealth over time. So do you think, um, do you think that it will be anytime soon that there's a, a, a separation, a distinction between Bitcoin and everything else? Because I mean, as we see right now, the, the general consensus from the market is that it, it's all grouped together, right? Like they see, they see FTX go down and it's like, well, of course, Bitcoin's going to dump too. Um, do you think that there, there becomes a, a point where, where it's common knowledge that these things are different? Yes. Um, which doesn't mean that um, scams go away. It just means that they morph into different form. Um, so the, the main challenge for Bitcoin, I mean, uh, currently it's it's demonstrating in the market adoption patterns its value proposition, and so actually all of this, you know, even though the conventional wisdom says it's carnage for Bitcoin, is actually the playing out of the Bitcoin thesis about the value of non-politicized self-sovereign money um, in an environment where. Um, fiat money has, in effect, become a system of control. Um, and so we have, you know, countries uh, like Russia moving toward a commodity-based um, system of transacting value. Um, and obviously, you know, many countries don't like that. But it is, in fact, heralding um, the beginning of this separation 
in people's minds between Bitcoin and other kinds of assets. The challenge is going to be that the, the more adoption takes place, the more nation states will try to shut down or uh, control all of the on-ramps and off-ramps um, into Bitcoin. And so that's where I see the next real battle being waged. I'd agree there. Uh, anybody watching, quick call to action. Learn how to get you uh, some some non-KYC sets uh, or uh, earn, earn Bitcoin. Um, there's lots of different ways that you can get Bitcoin that isn't a traditional on-ramp or off-ramp. Uh, I mentioned HODL, HODL, HODL at the beginning of the show. There's other options like BISC and RoboSats. And again, just circular economies in your own in, in your own neighborhood, uh, go to local Bitcoin meetups and, and start a part, a portion of the meetup where people can get up and say, Hey, this is what I do for a living. I would accept Bitcoin, uh, or I'm looking for such and such, and I'm willing to pay in Bitcoin. Um, creating those things I think is incredibly valuable. So, um, yeah, uh, we got on a bit of a tangent there, but, uh, I love the, I, I, I love the sentiment uh, around it. So um, I guess I'll just, I'll wrap this topic just by simply saying um, I, I think in the absence of, of easily created fiat money that we may see um, uh, a, a society based on information that is at least markedly more truthful uh, at its core. Um, is my hope anyways. Uh, so with the rounding of that topic, I'm going to uh, do a rotation here and I'm going to actually jump to Nick for this one. And uh, I'm just going to start with a basic question for you. I'll just simply ask, why are you bullish? What's on your mind? Yeah, I'm seeing the circular economy grow uh, literally in front of me. I mean, you know, I'm British and the, the pub is very important to our culture. I finally have a pub within 30 minutes walk that accepts lightning, which um, I wouldn't have thought how would happen a year ago. It's uh, thanks to a bunch of guys that you know, um, the Bridges to Bitcoin people. I think they were on your show. Those guys but, are yeah, you're, yeah, you're seeing this all over London now. You're seeing little establishments support Lightning. And um, I think Bitcoin, in a way, lost its way in the last few years when people just started talking about it as a store of wealth and there wasn't much activity of it being used. And I think if there's something that's been really positive in this so-called bear market, it's the fact that the circular economy is kind of improving. You're seeing more and more people using it as payments in the Western world. And I, and I think that is key to its growth. You know, I, I don't like the way sometimes people want to regulate it as a commodity. Yeah, it's not a commodity, it's a currency. I mean, I got into Bitcoin originally because I could use it to buy stuff with, not to just, you know, hold and hope it goes up by its fact in five years' time. I think that's key that people are using it. Otherwise, it's, in my view, useless. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I 100% agree. Um, I, I think that what people use Bitcoin most as is, is very dependent on their situation, right? So um, I, I was very much in that, oh, savings technology camp early on. I still am. I still am. But I'm also now in that circular economy, um, particularly with, again, everything that happened in Canada earlier this year. I, I saw friends' bank accounts shut down um, for for a political view, and so um, it it became abundantly clear that you know opting out of traditional finance, out of traditional banking, 
um, was was something that was very much on my radar. And I've, I've been kind of earning and living on Bitcoin for some time now, but um, I, I was using kind of, uh, and I still do use methods in which um, you kind of jump through some hoops to accomplish things, to, to pay your bills and so on and so forth. But now I'm, I'm actively out there looking for peer-to-peer -peer, uh, solutions to, to get whatever I need. Um, and I was very excited, like earlier, about a month ago, I, I met a rancher that's in, in Southern Alberta and I bought a quarter of a cow with Bitcoin and talked my freezer. Um, which is awesome. Uh, mm -hmm. And so more stuff like that. I think it's so important. I love the circular economy stuff. The bridges to Bitcoin guys are incredible. I'm so happy with what they're doing uh, over there in the UK. And, uh, and I'm, I'm kind of on a mission to get more of that happening locally here uh, within my city in Calgary. But um, I think everybody watching should take that initiative in their own local meetup and try and get that going. But um, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to ask Natalie her thoughts on on this uh, circular economy type stuff. Um, where where do you think we're at? Where do you think we need to be? Yeah, so um, Bitcoin is interesting in that it is commodity money, which is something we haven't had for a while. Um, you know, it's been it's been quite a while since humans have transacted with like actual sterling coins or, or gold coins. Um, but in fact, this is uh, the earliest form of money. Um, and we've seen again and again in the archaeological record how um, the purity of that commodity um, gets debased over time, you know, until it affects it effectively is fiat, uh, meaning the the will of the sovereign or sovereign violence is the only thing that stands behind the value of the coin. Um, that uh, is not and cannot be the case with Bitcoin. Um, and so I think the mental leap that's happening right now is that for a lot of people who are hesitant about Bitcoin, they see its use as in some way shorting the state <laughs> or um, undermining uh, confidence in the state, which depends on confidence for the value of its monetary system. Um, and so there's a kind of implicit unstated anxiety about adopting BTC that it could end up unraveling things um, rather quickly. I suspect that what is going to happen is that um, BTC is going to act as a kind of uh, parallel neutral currency to the various fiats. And so people will get into the habit of using these different monies for different things, particularly as CBDCs get rolled out, hopefully not, not in the US, but um, we'll see. Um, event, like essentially fiat money is becoming like a social credit system. It's, it's not truly good for all debts, public and private. It is a token that that you can only use under very limited prescribed circumstances. So BTC is going to be money as such, um, truly something that spends the same anywhere. Um, and so as the space for using fiat becomes narrower, the space for using Bitcoin as a medium of exchange will become wider. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, it's very much looking to be that way. I, I like that you mentioned how how fiat has become much narrower in its use case. Again, we see we we see examples of this everywhere, where for one reason or another, somebody's not allowed to transact in a certain way or with a certain amount for whatever reason. Um, and it's becoming much more difficult to to just do what people used to do and and take for granted. Um, and I, and I, I notice this all the time when I want to do something simple and I'm forced to use traditional banking rails and I realize, oh my God, this is gonna this is gonna take so much longer and I need to ask in some way, shape or form so many more people's permission to do what I want to do um, instead of just, just saying, okay, I, j- I just need to, I need to send you this money and, and okay. And it's gone. Um, I, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty stark, the, the difference. And, and you're right. I think um, you're going to see, well, you see things like this, especially with uh, China's CBDC rollout where they're, um, you know, they're, they're tying it with social credit scores. They're, they're limiting, um, you know, there's things like, oh, you can't, if you were at a, a protest, we've, you know, noticed that you were at this location, tracked you there. Okay. Well, you're, you can't use, um, you can't buy train tickets to get to so, such and such. You saw it in the Hong Kong protests as well. Um, I think you're going to see more of that. Uh, even more recently, we saw uh, women in, in Iran uh, just the other day, there was an article uh, Iranian women bank accounts getting shut down if they decide not to wear a headscarf. Um, so it it's right now it it seems to be you know it's one side of the political spectrum or the other, but eventually it gets to everybody. It's just a matter of who happens to be in power at the time. Um, so everybody's going to get a taste of it, and once everybody has had a taste of it, particularly once we have even more control over the money with CBDCs. Um, it just becomes obvious that you need an alternative. And I'm, I'm curious TC's take on, on this as well. The necessity, uh, dare I say, for circular economies to develop sooner rather than later. What do you think, man? Yeah. I mean, everything that's been said so far, I'm, I'm resonating with the, um, the thing I see is is just a collision course happening where the the trend as far as the world we live in is governments around the world are all steadily trying to create a, a full control structure with a, a key mechanism there being the, the monetary system, the banking system, and more and more people are bumping into that. Um, I, I know several people in the United States where I live uh, as well as people who live in other parts of the world who have told me personally in the last six months or so uh, difficulties running into friction with their bank, running into issues with credit card companies. Um, we saw all the shenanigans that went on with uh, PayPal. Um, I, I ended up shutting down my PayPal account, which I had for so many years. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's it's just this collision course of, you know, the 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 difficulties increasing with using legacy systems. And at the same time, we have more and more incredible tools, really wonderful products are being developed, software and hardware to be able to use Bitcoin. And it's proving itself to more and more people every day that it is the absolute alternative. Um, I, I know in my own personal life, I've, I've attempted to 
sort of orange pill. A lot of people in my circle, uh, my barber is one person who has been paid now three times to cut my hair and, uh, and receive sats as payment. And it's, it is starting to really change from just this sort of novelty experience for some new people into them realizing the relief that there is a uh, frictionless alternative to um, the way things have been done. So I, I see a lot of this stuff. I, I, I'm really excited about some of the new developments. Uh, Fetty is really exciting to me. I've been watching the, the Cashew app uh, get developed. And, and, and a lot of this stuff around these uh, uh, Chaumian uh, eCash approaches are going to blast open the, the whole world of possibilities for people to just bypass the clumsy, friction-filled experience that they're accustomed to. So it, it's just, it, it's happening. And I, I am, I'm really excited about what's coming during this bear market because it's almost as if all the sort of hopium in the, in the bull market has kind of cleared out. And people who are still around are focused and are building. So I think it's, uh, it's well on its way. I don't think it can be stopped. And I think we're getting a big help from the world around us because whoever's running the show out there in the world, they, they sure are determined to you know, make things harder on people, which leaves people with no choice but to uh, seek alternatives. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting seeing these worlds collide. And again, another perfect example, um, uh, Nigeria limiting withdrawals very, very much for individuals to be able to take out cash, basically trying to push them to digital alternatives. Meanwhile, Nigeria uh, adoption of Bitcoin just through the roof, um, you know, comparatively to prior years, uh, you know, they're 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 almost doing our jobs for us. Um, in many cases. So, uh, you know, well, yeah, if anyone, if anyone ever says Bitcoin doesn't have a marketing department, you just point them to the central bank in whatever country you're in. They're, they're <laughs> really doing the job of Bitcoin's marketing department. Yes, I, I fully, fully agree. Um, awesome. Well, uh, yeah, I, Nick, I'm really glad that you brought up uh, the, the circular economy topic. Um, I, I want to see much more of it. Um, I, I got to um, before we uh, shift topics, I want to uh, bring attention to uh, a website here. I'm going to bring it up. So if you're an individual, a, a business um, that is accepting Bitcoin, uh, please go to btcmap.org and add yourself there. Um, there's an app for this as well, which is awesome. Um, but I just, we need even more people on here. If you have a Bitcoin business or a business that accepts Bitcoin, please add it to the map. Um, or if you previously were, or, or you can even just go on here and start reaching out to some of the businesses there because we still need to, it still needs to be cross-referenced. They basically took as much information as they could um, from prior tools and put it all into this map, but it needs to be verified. So individual users can go and verify, yes, this business still accepts Bitcoin or no, it's since changed. And then we can get that map as accurate as possible. So call to action again, go to btcmap.org if you have a business that accepts Bitcoin or if you just want to help 
uh, make the map even better. You can do some calling around, visit some locations and verify uh, if they do indeed accept Bitcoin or get them to accept Bitcoin again if they stopped for some reason. Um, anyways, I'm going to finish out this topic here. We're going to do another rotation. And uh, TC, I'm going to jump to you. I, I know you just had the mic. I'm going to give it to you once more. And I'm just going to ask, why are you bullish? Well, for my reason why I'm bullish, I'm going to point to a tweet. Sorry, I'm not sharing my screen. I'll, I'll read it. Uh, it's from Carl B. Menger. He says, not safe for work. The most Bitcoin ever has left exchanges. The great exodus. And he puts up a, a chart where you can very clearly see the trend of Bitcoin coming off of exchanges at the greatest extreme in the history of the chart. Now, I know, hey, there it is. Look at you. Nice. Um, I know that, um, you know, some of this on-chain analytics stuff can be a little bit of... Uh, uh, witch doctor-ish kind of things that you can't always like really read into it. But I just know from anecdotal experience with people in my own sphere who uh, five months ago when the whole uh, Luna collapse was happening, I got a, a spike in contacts from people in my circle who were basically all of a sudden very incentivized and motivated to get their Bitcoin off whatever platforms they had it on. I just had that experience again uh, just in this last week or two, contacted by three different groups of people who all said, hey, I know you mentioned this to me six months ago and a year ago and multiple years ago. I I'm ready now. Can you can you help me? I need to get my Bitcoin off of X platform. So I am bullish because the army of plebs who are embracing self-custody is growing. And this is a trend that is increasingly important in the context of everything that's been said on the show so far. Um, you know, we're, we're basically living in a world of promises and IOUs and leverage and uh, rehypothecation. And the antidote to all that is simple. You just create your own wallet, you hold your keys, you move your sats off of wherever they are onto your wallet that you hold the keys to. And it's that simple. And now you can sit on the sideline and rest easy as the rest of this insane crypto industry implodes. There's no reason to leave yourself on the train tracks and keep your sats on any platform. So I am bullish because I see it in my own world and it looks like it's not just my own world. It's also the, the greater world out there as we see in this chart. People are taking their Bitcoin off exchanges. I'd echo that. I've had I've had the emails, I've had the calls, I've had the 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 one-on-one -on -one, uh, sessions with people saying, "Okay, now's the time. How do I do this? How do I set up my hardware? How do I withdraw my Sats? And you know, how do I do this safely?" And so, you know, this past month has been busy for that kind of stuff, which is incredibly encouraging. Um, while you know, while it's super shitty that SPF was a total fraud. Um, it's also a learning experience. It's the, the price of tuition. Everybody pays it in one way or another, um, either through time or through monetary losses, which are hard lessons. Um, but again, that, that familiarity with self-custody is growing um, and it's a positive thing to see. 
Um, and it was alluded to earlier uh, with with things like um, uh, with things like Fetty, um, while not full self custody for those that may never take that dive, at least you can get a better flavor of it where it's not a giant honeypot and perhaps you have a small community or you have a family on a, on a fediment or something like that. Um, that could be interesting in the future, hopefully. Uh, but again, the more people self-custodying, the, the less honeypots that we create, the less people trust others with their own money, the better. Um, and I'll toss it to Natalie for, for your thoughts on, on kind of where we are with self-custody at the moment. Yeah, a self self custody continues to be intimidating to the vast majority of people. Um, and in fact, when I've um, tried to orange pill friends and family, often it's that that is just absolutely the deal breaker. Um, and so, what we're talking about here is not just technology change, but culture change. People have really become accustomed to relying on third parties to custody their wealth and to mediate transactions for them. And they actually feel safer doing that than um, self-custody. And so there's going to have to be a sea change in the mentality behind that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've gone generations and generations of you know, take, take, take my money in whatever form it exists in. But, um, you know, we're, we're especially through our lifetimes, it's always been, you know, you be responsible with certain things. You got to be responsible with all these different things, but, um, money is not one of them. You, you put it with somebody else because it's too dangerous to deal with yourself. You couldn't, you, you can't, uh, you don't have that level of responsibility. You, you need to defer to somebody else who knows what they're doing. And um, it's created, a, 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 you know, again, generations upon generations of people that have never put in the thought of, of how to secure their own money. Um, you, you, you've put in thought into securing a lot of other stuff. We have plenty of important things. We have our passports. We have family heirlooms we have um you know precious metals like some people have physical gold uh you have your your laptop you have all all of these different your phone is an expensive uh piece of machinery that you carry around with you every single day and yeah you do lose things from time to time but people in general don't mistrust themselves in caring for all of these other expensive important items that we hold on to it's just money. And that's strange to me. And I, I very much look forward to a, a shift in that, but I, I don't know, Nick, like where do you think, what do you think needs to change? What do you think? Like, can we get there where at, at least a, a larger proportion of the population sees self custody as a good and doable thing? Yeah, I think so. And I think, yeah, in the early days, we did have arguably a, a strong community around there. There were like wallets really designed for that. I don't know if you remember Armory. They were one of the early wallets. That was a kind of like a hard wallet to, for self-custody. And I think a lot of the, you know, the investment in that space kind of went away because there wasn't much demand for it. So I hope 
the events of the last few, yeah, few months will, will allow people in that area to, to raise money again to potentially get investment i also think one of the the good and dark advantages of self-custody it really messes up things for futures traders because uh, if you remember a guy trace may said if, if a lot of people self-custody it's going to wreck it's going to wreck the derivatives market on bitcoin so when wall street start doing funny business with bitcoin like shorting it longing it you know if people are yeah, this is the first ever asset where you can actually take physical delivery, unlike oil, unlike gold, where that's a bit problematic. Here we can instantly. And that could really you know, mess up the manipulators, which I, I think would be really great to see, to be honest. I think that's... I, I agree. It yeah. would be incredible to see. I think, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Um, I mean, this is an example of one of those things where, like, like I was talking about at, at the beginning of the show, um, there's a lot of things where you have a fixed supply money um, that no longer work um, with the traditional system. There's a lot of uh, behaviors that are no longer rewarded when, when your money cannot just be printed out of nothing and you can't patch over mistakes um, through money printing. And I think this is one of the examples where um, I think we're going to see uh, financial institutions and we're going to see individual traders quickly realize like, Oh, this is, this is much different than the system I'm used to. And, and I've got to change my behavior accordingly. I don't think we're anywhere near that moment in time. I don't, uh, do you, I, you know, just imagine one day, you know, we find out that a, a fund is shorting Bitcoin and gets caught up. We could literally create a short squeeze by physical delivery, you know, and that could be a lot worse than what happened to GameStop. And that's something that I think Wall Street don't understand yet. Because obviously, a lot of the things they trade, there's no, it's not a bearer asset. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, no one's going to, you know, do that to oil because you don't want oil tankers showing up at the end of your road. It's, it's, it's a very difficult, different product. And I think that's, I think someone's going to get wrecked doing that. You know, and if the, you know, if the SEC keeps on approving futures only ETFs and not doing physical delivery, physical ETFs, I think that could happen. That'd be really funny to watch. That would be better than the SBF would blow up. Do you do you think that um, the behavior that we've seen uh, with the, all these all these firms that have imploded this year, do you think that this simply repeats itself, but like a level up? So like banks are are beginning to offer Bitcoin products. Do you think this just it just repeats where? We get to a new level because like we currently were at a stage where everybody was like FTX is is the first good like well regular or they were saying like, you know, all these. OK, we've got our, our Coinbase and our FTX and our Gemini or whatever. And and these institutions, these are responsible. This is the new era versus the old crap where, you know, the Mt. Goxes and the Quadrigas were past that. And then lo and behold, oh, shit. Uh, everything imploded. Do you think that just repeats again, but with with banks? Yes, because I, I think banks will offer Bitcoin uh, as a product, but they won't give you real Bitcoin. It will essentially be a CFD, a contract for difference. Mm -hmm. And I think they're going to get stuck with it. They're going to run into an issue where they won't have enough. There'll be a panic. All of us are going to, you know, there'll be a big push for physical, you know, self-storage and there'll be a shortage. And, and I, I really don't, think banks are ready for that and i think that would be i mean i really do think that's going to happen mm -hmm. yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised um all right well 
I'm going to round out this uh, this self custody topic. Um, again, I, I always love throwing in the calls to action. If you're watching this and you're not self custodying, which if you're here, guys, come on. <laughs> um, but if you're not self custodying, start now. Like like the the simplest call to action would be if you have your Bitcoin exclusively with somebody else, just download a simple wallet and just test taking it into your own custody. Download Blue Wallet, um, add a wallet, pick a regular Bitcoin wallet or download Moon Wallet, M-U-U-N, hit receive and, and use that address to take out like 50 bucks just into your own custody, just so you see you can do it um, and then start there. And that's that's your first step out the door to being a good little Bitcoiner with your own self-custody. So uh, we'll round out this topic. We're going to do one final rotation. Before we do, I just want to give a shout out to everybody in the chat. Thanks for being here. I got to give a shout out to Yellow. Uh, obviously, always in here. I, I don't even know what time it is for him, but he's always here and it's super late. And uh, I appreciate him uh, joining every every time. And uh, Eastside Tony and Russ and uh, Narwhal, uh, they're all in here. So good to see you guys all the time. Um, but we're going to do a rotation. And Natalie, I'm going to toss it to you. And again, same question directed at you. Why are you bullish? Well, um, as I mentioned earlier, I think, you know, what we're seeing in the world um, is, a, is actually the Bitcoin thesis playing out. Um, and so even though it's, excruciatingly painful um, for a lot of people and likely will become more painful. Um, it is the logical evolution of um, a debt supercycle um, and fiat-based system that has reached the extent of its, its power, in effect. Um, I would suggest that, you know, at this point, central banks are out of tools um, to, to achieve the types of economic outcomes that they say they intend to achieve. And so what we're seeing is this kind of grab bag of incoherent and contradictory policies that um, ultimately cannot paper over the just extraordinary levels of sovereign debt um, that are everywhere. And not just sovereign debt, but corporate debt. In fact, um, it's corporate bonds that may end up being the thing to implode um, first. And so um, what does all of this mean? I mean, it, it means that we're collectively going through a re-education in what value is um, and a self-sovereign commodity value um, is already and will continue to become a refuge, um, but refuge from some really bad things. And so I'm bullish on Bitcoin, um, but I'm also deeply concerned for the human suffering that is coming. I'm wondering if you can elaborate on the, the corporate bonds thing there. Um, I mean, for those watching, can you kind of uh, describe the like, one, anybody who doesn't know what a corporate bond is, but particularly why why that might be one of the first dominoes to to implode to fall. Yeah, so this is um, me keying off um, 
something that Tomas Molinan um, said on Twitter. Uh, he's, you know, far, far smarter than I am when it comes to um, financial macroeconomic uh, analysis. Um, but in effect, he was making the argument that um, sovereign bond yields no longer offer price signal because um, the practices of quantitative easing and quantitative tightening are used for yield curve control. And so in effect, bond yields are manipulated at this point. Um, and so what, what does actually offer signal? Um, corporate bonds. Um, and there's, there are so many companies that have survived um, the pandemic and before that the GFC through just like unlimited borrowing. Um, and we've actually, we've seen the crypto space crash, companies in the crypto space crash first because they're, they're the least likely to be bailed out. They're the, you know, they're sort of the canaries in the coal mine. Um, in a sense, you know, there's a, a limited pool of funders for these companies. And so once that pool dries up, they're kind of SOL. Um, for more mainstream companies who have access to, to, to debt instruments that are more conventional, that process can be elongated, but it can't go on forever. And this, this goes back to what I was saying earlier about the strength of the productive economy. Um, it's just really hard to make money. Like it's, it's hard to generate real value. Um, and particularly in uh, a inflationary macro environment with like supply chain disruptions, rising cost of labor, like um, it's just a lot of companies are not sustainable. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Like, again, how, <laughs> how there's, again, there's no proper price signal in, in government bonds. Um, and so, you know, you're right. Like the, 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 <laughs> the companies are, are not going to get most, most companies will not get that, that bailout. they no longer have easy money to borrow. And so they're, they're the first that are shit out of luck. Um, you know, and the, and you're, so that talk that you did, um, at the, uh, Texas blockchain summit, um, where you were saying how, um, the, the crypto implosion is, is kind of the precursor to like the greater actual, you know, wider economy implosion that is at hand and how this is kind of how it will, you know, if it plays out, it'll likely play out very similar where it's, it's just held together with twi twigs and glue and there's there's nothing truly there these companies again we're just surviving on debt and speculation and and then when it comes to the wire what's holding it up there's there's nothing they can be blown over and, and even if some of them are I, i'd imagine some of the ones that are creating value will be a little bit caught up in this as well right Every, everything is going to be impacted in some way shape or form um, and only the ones that are creating the most value maybe can survive and weather the storm. Um, yeah, that's, it's wild to think. Um, I, I, I want to get some thoughts from, from the other guys as well. Um, maybe I'll, I'll, 
I'll toss it to Nick first. I don't know if you have any thoughts or questions regarding what was just said by my Natalie here. Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're in a changing environment for sure. I mean, one of the noises that's been out in the last few weeks, you probably saw all that talk about you know, the open AI release, at the Chatard BG. I mean, I did get my, I, myself and my whole team played with it and it, it blew us away in terms of how that thing can code how that thing can automate tasks that were, you know, stuff that we would pay for, like, you know, press releases. And, and that's going to be a lot of pain and disruption for a lot of people. It's going to put people out of jobs. And that's very clear. And with companies struggling, you know, maybe low wage, low in, you know, be affected by what's coming with AI. We're definitely in a period of change. And I, and I don't know what's the end state here, but I think that all kind of relates in, yeah. in you know, a different environment that we're facing. Yeah. I mean, not only do you have all of these companies that maybe didn't deserve to, to grow to the size that they did, but then you have an entire workforce that is, is going to be replaced with, <laughs> with a program. Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting because of course, every, every, burst forward every every huge um change in technology obviously destroys a lot of jobs but also um allows for humanity to create even more with less effort um i i wonder you know what that looks like um around the bend right like it, do we just have d different types of jobs different ways to uh to keep people productive i think part of the the problem that we've witnessed over the past number of decades is, is kind of in the way we valued our time, right? We valued our time in a way where we said an hour worth of my time um, is worth a set amount uh, of units in a currency that can be debased. And so that inherently puts the blue collar worker at a disadvantage because the contract in which upon which you began your uh, your employment um, is immediately reneged upon um, the moment your money loses purchasing power because your understanding of what you can accomplish with your wages is is whittled away very, very quickly. And so after five years, 10 years in a position, of course, you know, you you work your way up the corporate ladder perhaps. And, and, you know, if you're in a position long enough, then your wage increases and your, um, your, your raises because you're getting higher positions within a company, um, kind of mask what's happening, but you're not exactly keeping up. And this is why we see things like, you know, our parents able to afford homes much earlier in their careers and be, be able to easily have, and care for children. Um, and then you have an entire generation now where, you know, I, there, a report just came out in Canada the other day. Um, the average Canadian to afford a down payment on a home in Canada would be 17 years of work and saving. Um, if you want to live in one of the larger metropolitan areas like the, like Toronto or Vancouver, 24 years of saving for the average Canadian to afford the down payment to begin payments on the purchase of your new home. Um, and that simply obviously was not 
the case beforehand. Um, so now only the upper echelons of society will ever own their own home. And it's because our money stores wealth so poorly that people have been forced to save via their home and save via other mechanisms. And you get pumped up valuations for companies and stocks that, that really have no business being valued as high. Um, I think a lot of that changes in a, in a world where you have a fixed supply of money that actually stores the fruits of your labor properly. So um, I want to toss it to TC before I get chatting too much uh, thoughts on, on Natalie's topic and kind of the, the uh, rabbit holes we've gone on down since. Yeah, pretty vast. Um, <laughs> I think, I think that it's, uh, it's kind of an incredible thing to watch what we're, we're seeing unfold here economically in the last couple of years it's truly historic by any measure and it seems like just an insurmountable debt crisis and currency crises and all kinds of geopolitical stuff at the same time so to bring it back to natalie and talking about the corporate debt I, I mean, I, I don't know how so many of these companies remain zombies for so long. It was something that was talked about a lot um, in the last couple of years. These uh, the percentage of major stock indexes that the companies are, are not operational. They're not even able to, to pay the interest on their debt. So I, I don't see how this carries on. I think that's the key takeaway is that these are not things that can structurally survive on an ongoing basis. So that's the amazing thing to watch. Um, Bitcoin is absolutely here for a reason at this time. And uh, it's, it's just being sort of uh, magnified in its uh, properties as a solution in, in this environment. It's just bonkers. I, I don't really have too much more to add. I think you guys pretty well covered it. Awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, it's unique times to be to be living in right now. Um, I think I, I, I hope that the transition is is manageable for for most, you know, for at least, you know, pe- my own family, for people that I know, um, for people watching uh, all, all you can really say is uh try to create value for others spend less than you earn and and save in uh a money that that can't be debased i i I think that would be my key takeaways um so what i want to do here uh to round out the show is uh i was like going around just for uh, a round of final thoughts but also i'm going to uh give you guys a, a challenge here uh just to recommend um, really anything that might have helped you on your Bitcoin journey in some way, shape or form. So this could be uh, a book or a podcast or a video that you've you've uh, taken in. It could be uh, a life lesson you learned. It could be a, an application that you've used, a device you've used, um, a website that you really enjoy. Really anything that you think could uh, give somebody value if they were to check it out. So. Um, again, my final thoughts for today is, um, well, I think, uh, it's going to be a bumpy ride. Um, 
staying the course and doing kind of what I, I described before, again, trying to provide value, trying to save, um, trying to uh, spend less than you earn um, and just kind of keeping your head down and, and staying the course is, is the best way to kind of deal with this. Um, uh, you know, small, small savings right now can, can be much more in the future. Um, and you know, just don't get wiped out while everybody else does. Um, uh, and in terms of recommendations, uh, I would say if you haven't already go and check out some of the footage from the Africa Bitcoin conference that took place, uh, this past week, um, lots of good talks there. I'm not going to zero in on one, but there's a lot of good content there and you can find it on YouTube. Again, the Africa Bitcoin conference, there's all kinds of great stuff there. Uh, and with that, I'll, uh, I'll toss it over to Nick. If you have any final thoughts that you want to, uh, get out and, uh, if you have a recommendation, toss it out there. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the building communities, it's, it's, it's better than ever, to be honest. And, and there's real collaboration, for example, you know, there's been a lot of work, uh, a lot of lightning and, and privacy wallets are struggling with, with uh, the tour issues, but there's been a lot of, of work there. We basically decided to, to make our wallet switch from tour to I2P. Some of the other guys have, 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 have done things to where they run their own tour exit nodes, but it, you know, the community is still small enough where different wallet providers talk to each other and bounce ideas, which may not be the case in five years time, but you know, that's, there's a quite, and you know, I've been working with other guys in the lightning space to integrate lightnings and state chains again the other wallet providers you know maybe not talking about it public but it shows us a lot of community a lot of fun um funny enough i've been speaking to some guys we've been re-watching the bitcoin uncensored podcasts from like six years ago now a lot of that stuff's not completely correct probably wouldn't probably be cancelled in today's world but it's it does go into, you get to learn a bit of the history of Bitcoin and what it was like around 2014. And, and it's really funny, to be honest. And I, I'd I recommend if, yeah, I'd recommend some people just pick a random subject, listen to them. Yeah, don't be offended by what they say, but it, it talks, you know, you get to understand about some of the history of what was going on before the fork wars and stuff like that. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's I, a bit if, of fun. Yeah? If, if anybody's not going to be offended, it's it's Bitcoiners. Like, the, I think <laughs> I think Bitcoiners are... are are uh, advocating for for less canceling and more than more. Well, I guess it depends who you talk to. <laughs> but yeah, last week or so, for some reason, someone mentioned it in the group. I am Bitcoin Uncentered and sent a website with all the old shows, and yeah, we were in tears afterwards, laughing about what happened here. And I think that's a classic one with Bruce Fenton being interviewed, which was quite funny in a bathroom somewhere. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Yeah, I I I did enjoy those. Uh, those were some of the early ones that I was listening to, and I I enjoyed the ones that I heard for sure. Um, TC, I'm going to toss it to you. Final thoughts, recommendation, let them fly. Yeah, I I think that it's uh it's tough times it's challenging times for everyone. Uh, and it's just not to do with Bitcoin, just the world in general. So I think it's a, it's a wonderful time to just dive into uh, study. And uh, when it comes to Bitcoin, you, you've got to just attempt to shed light on the parts that are not clear to you. And there is no shortage of those, those never end actually. So you just keep learning. And uh, I know that that's been an uh, important part of my own path. It led me to make my Time Chain Calendar app. Um, while I was making that, I was super inspired by a lot of other great resources. 
uh, similar to that, you know, mempool.space and bitfeed.live and, um, and my buddy made timechainstats.com. And these are all websites that are just free resources for you. And you can get great information from them, but you can also learn about Bitcoin. I remember the first time I looked at mempool.space and I didn't really understand everything that was being shown to me there. And over time you learn and you understand the entire system better. So, you know, that that's what I would recommend is, is people spend this time uh, cracking into uh, any books they might have stacked up, uh, jumping on a computer and try out doing something with it, jumping in and taking a tutorial or, or learn how to, how to build something, make it happen. It's a, it's that time. So I'm, I'm extra bullish about building in the bear market. That's, that's what I would say. I love that. Yeah. Uh, again, all those tools that you mentioned too early on, uh, whether it be time chain calendar that you built or mempool.space or time chain stats. Um, it, you know, if you're looking at those, just, you know, if, if you're unsure what something is, just go to one of those websites zero in on a, a piece of information that you don't understand and just ask the question, what is that? And just go learn. What, what is that one stat? What does that thing mean? And, and there you go. You've leveled up a little bit. Um, final rotation. We'll toss it to Natalie. Uh, final thoughts, recommendations, take it away. Yeah. So I've um, always approached Bitcoin from a social scientific background rather than a technical background. And so one of the things that I've been doing recently that's been really cool is um, just rereading some of the early cypherpunk um, manifestos and mailing lists and reading up a little bit on the history of cryptography um, and the political battles around cryptography, um, particularly in the United States. Um, so that's been very interesting to me from a historical standpoint, but also like, I mean, it's all happening now. Like the the CBDC, the CBDC uh, dystopia, the full surveillance, you know, the um, control through uh, controlling economic transactions. I mean, that was all anticipated by the cypherpunks and and crypto anarchists in like the the eighties. Um, and so we've we've actually been very fortunate in that um, we had this small contingent of far-sighted technologists um, who laid the groundwork for Bitcoin and other privacy technologies that are now gaining critical momentum precisely when they are needed. Um, so that's been really interesting. Yeah, I, I, I would echo that. It's, it, it seems that society doesn't really migrate to a tool um, until, until it's necessary, um, until shit hits the fan. And then people discover, oh, I, I need this now. Um, yeah. But thankfully, the tools are there. And while not perfect, uh, they're being worked upon, as, as Nick was saying as well. Um, so, yeah, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, I want to thank all of you for taking the time for being here. Uh, this was a really fun chat. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, everybody watching, of course, all of their Twitter handles are linked down below so if you're not following anybody on the screen right now uh head to the to the description down below and make sure you do give them a follow um and other than that uh thank you all so much for being here you're welcome back anytime thank you so much thanks ben
Thanks, Thanks. a lot. Thanks a lot. All right. I'll see you guys later. Awesome. And everybody watching, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I hope you had a good time. Again, all those guys, super awesome. Give them all a follow. Uh, again, uh, happy to have TC back, uh, happy to finally have Nick on the show. And again, um, having Natalie here was fantastic. Uh, she, um, seems to be, uh, have a solid head on her shoulders and has a lot of, uh, interesting things to say. So if you haven't seen her talk, actually go check out some of the videos that are, uh, circulating around. And she did do a good interview on, uh, Peter McCormick's podcast as well. So check that out. Um, to, to round it out, of course, as always, please do like, subscribe, share, all those things. Help a ton. They get this in front of more people. Uh, you can hit up the previously mentioned sponsors down below. CoinKite, Start9, Hoddle Hoddle, Bill Foddle, and uh, ShakePay. Uh, furthermore, if, if you've been checking out some of the tutorials and you're like, crap, I need additional help, uh, I do one-on-ones so if you ever need uh if the free again the free tutorials aren't enough and you need that like back and forth okay what do i do now um just head to the website btcsessions.ca you can book me there and finally if you really liked what you saw you can always drop me a bitcoin tip at my strike page strike.me slash btc sessions get there type in any amount you want hit the tip button you'll see a lightning invoice or if you tap the arrow to the right a regular bitcoin qr code with that, I am out. Have yourselves a wonderful day or evening. See you guys next time for your daily session. Huddle the Bitcoin.